Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet. And again, right back from ASHA, we've got Rachel Madel. How's it going, Rachel? It's so good, Chris. I'm feeling so inspired after ASHA. I mean, I'm definitely tired, but I'm really inspired as well because it's just so exciting. I feel like I met so many people that I, I want to talk to more. We had a lot of interviews that we did at the Exceptional Ed booth, and it was just like a taste and I'm like, ah, like I need more. I need more. Um, that's exactly how I felt with Eric Raj. Eric Raj came on the podcast and we talked all about technology and um, fluency. He specializes in fluency and it was just fantastic. And I felt like I wanted to keep talking. And of course there was a line of people like either waiting to be interviewed or waiting to talk to me. And so I could only get a, just a little bite-sized nugget of Eric Raj. So I said, you're coming back on the podcast, Eric. And of course he agreed. Excellent. Excellent. I bet you there's a lot of people like that, that you got, like you said, just a little taste, but maybe they'll come back and do a a full episode. Yep. I mean, I hope so. I have an entire list of people that I need to interview. So we're going to have a lot of content coming your way, guys. Rachel, I know I was flying in the air when you were recording the live portion. There was a live interview happening, right? And I know that um, there were some friends of mine in the audience and they were sending me like Facebook messages and stuff like that. So how was that? How did the event go? The live event was awesome. Um, I have to be, I have to get real with you guys. I was a little tinge of nervous for that live event. I wasn't nervous to present on the panel. I also did my own presentation on Saturday night, which we can talk about a little bit. Um, But this live event, I thought, ooh, like I'm used to recording podcasts, not live. (laughs) So the idea of having a live audience was a little bit overwhelming for me, but it ended up being fine. And, um, it was amazing. I interviewed Jenny Bjorn. So she is a childhood apraxia of speech expert. She also has a entire company dedicated to training and resources for clinicians. Um, and so she was just fantastic. Talk about another person that I need to have come back on the podcast because I feel like I could have deep dived with her for at least an hour. Um, we just didn't have enough time. We only had like 15 minutes. That was one of the sessions. And then you said you had two other sessions that you did. How did those go? The panel discussion on podcasting and ethics was awesome. So it was myself, Matt Hot, and uh, Ayelet Marinovich. She does uh, Learn With Less. So cool. She focuses on early intervention, and she talks about how you don't need a lot of toys and all these fancy things. You can use things from your house to teach your baby how to communicate. Um, so it was really cool. We all had a different perspective and different um, ideas to share. So it was all about remaining ethical while keeping in mind Ash's new code of ethics. And then the last session you had, I remember you had said that it was on Saturday, which is the last day of the conference at 5 p.m. And, you know, how many people stick around for that, right? I mean, would you get maybe five or six people show up? Is that how it was? Chris, I was so nervous because like you said, it was literally the last time slot and the ASHA closing party was at Universal Studios. So you know, if I were at the conference, I would have been like beelining to Universal Studios. Um, And so we had talked, you know, beforehand. And Chris like tells me this whole story about like, if only a few people show up, it's fine. Just like kind of have people in a circle and you can do, you know, maybe you can do a podcast recording and, you know, you'll just teach a very intimate seminar. And so that's what I was preparing for. I'm like, I have my phone ready. Maybe we'll go to the wine bar and get some wine and talk about technology over a glass of, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon. I had 70 people show up, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awesome. It was crazy. First of all, I walked into the room. It was the it was a huge room um, with this huge projector screen. Um, you definitely should um, check it out. I posted it on social, on my social media. Um, it's really cool. But I was so impressed. And that's the first thing that came out of my mouth. I said, the dedication in this room to your craft is so impressive. Thank you guys so much for coming and spending between 5 and 6 p.m. on a Saturday with me. We're going to learn all about apps and autism. Um, and so it ended up being really great. Um, got lots of great feedback at the end. Um, I didn't have any tech difficulties, which whenever I'm presenting on apps, it's always very stressful to me because to see the amount of cords coming out of my computer, like just like looks crazy and it was crazy. So luckily there was no technology glitches. Um, and it was really, it was really a, an amazing talk. It sounds like it was awesome. What can you give us a little uh, a taste? What was one of the apps that you showed? So actually, so the first half of the session, we talk all about how almost any app can be used to facilitate communication if you use it the right way. And so I gave a lot of strategies like adults always being in charge of the iPad, putting the iPad behind your back, you know, to reconnect and have a conversation about what you just saw, hitting the mute button, rewinding, uh, pausing, all these strategies that can help facilitate more interaction and more communication. Of course, I touched on core words as um, some vocabulary targets, especially for those emergent communicators. But then the last half of the session is always my favorite because I showed apps and how I would use them. And I have to say, there's one app that always gets the best response, and that app is called Peppy Bath. Have you ever heard of this? No, Peppy Bath. No, please tell me. Okay, so Peppy Bath, actually, it might be called Peppy Bath 2 now. It might be the second version. Um, you can pick a character, it's four different characters, and then you go and do kind of self care routines. There's two of my favorites. One, you pick the toothbrush, and you see Peppy, and she is a hot mess. Like, she has hair that's all messy. She has, like, snot coming out of her nose. Her teeth are green. You know, her face is dirty. Her hands are gross. And so you go through, you put soap on her hands, turn the water on, lots of opportunities for core words. Um, and what I was teaching is, not only is it great opportunities for core words, but Apps that mimic a real world experience are the best because you can actually use the app alongside of the real routine. So if I'm teaching a child how to wash their hands, you say, okay, first we turn the water on, you turn the water on, and then you turn the water on. Now we're going to turn the water on for Peppy. Um, so you can do it, you know, alongside of a real world routine. So it's more likely to generalize, right? Because that's what we're always trying to do. We're trying to get the skills that we teach in our therapy sessions to generalize to actual real world things. That's the whole point. Um, and so Peppy Bath is so great. The other thing about Peppy Bath that gets everybody laughing hysterically is you can actually go and put Peppy on the toilet and she makes all types of really authentic noises when she's on the toilet. Um, and you can, you know, wipe her butt with toilet paper and put it in the trash can. Like, it's just like, so it's really, really unexpected, which makes it really funny to the audience. I mean, this is a podcast, an audio podcast. So what are some of the sounds she makes? I'm not really familiar with noises like that. Can I pull Peppy <laughs> Bath out right now? <laughs> I actually have to show you, Chris, because I feel like you'll appreciate a, a picture. I mean, um, I am a dad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So hold on, let's see. 
And it's just, I think it, yeah, it's actually called Peppy Bath too. And it, I think it's especially funny on the, on the big screen. My screen was so big. It was so big. <laughs> um, okay. So this was the, the first scene I was telling you about. She is a hot mess. Look at that. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> her hair is all over the place. She's got this blue paint on her face. She's got her hands are disgusting. Yeah. Here she is. She's on the toilet right now. And then hold on. <laughs> She's relieved. <laughs> and hold on. <laughs> so anyway first of all the audience loves it second of all kids are obsessed with this i'm talking kids who i can hardly engage with anything if you start making peppy like poop on a toilet kids are cracking up hysterically they're asking for more they're saying again they're saying poop it's just like it's so funny so anyway peppy bath is a favorite Farts are always funny. It's true. Farting is always funny, no matter how old you are or how young. So ah, such a such a um, respectable podcast we do, <laughs> where we share hard cutting research. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, Peppy Bath is always fun. It's one of my favorites, and um, I also love augmented reality. You know this about me. There's so. Mm-hmm. Cool augmented reality apps out there. Um, I showed AR Dragon, which is really great. I showed Do Not Touch, which is such a fantastic game. Um, I love it. It's by Nickelodeon. And what's so cool about it is that every week they update it and there's new content. So I was actually showing it in real time and I hadn't seen any of the, the things that were on it because I hadn't been on it in a week. And so it was just so interesting and it's completely free, which is like unheard of. Awesome. That is awesome. So without further ado, let's listen to Rachel's interviews at ASHA 2019. I'm here with Eric Raj. Eric, how are you today? Rachel, I'm doing spectacular. It's the energy of the conference, you know. I know. It's so good. You're just feeding off of it. It's like the gasoline that we as SLPs, sometimes we our gasoline tank gets a little bit lower. I know. But this is the place where you recharge, and I'm ready. I'm ready to go to therapy on Monday. I know. It's exciting. I don't know if I'm going to be ready for therapy on Monday. I'm, I, my, my tank might be a little empty, but in a good way, because I feel like you give so much. You talk to so many people. You're connecting with so many people. Uh, it's one of the most amazing things about this conference in particular is that I feel like you get lots of different clinicians from all over the country, and and there's just like this buzz in the air. Yeah, absolutely. And we can all learn something new. It doesn't matter how long we've been in this field. There's always something new to take home and for us to just embrace that and just let it ride. Yeah. So you presented, right? I sure did. You just got done presenting. You're presenting twice here. I am. Yeah. Ta- tell us. Tell us about what you're talking talking to the people about. Sure. So the first talk that I just did had to do with technology and stuttering and how might we be able to infuse some different technology aspects into stuttering treatment. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is that idea of taking pictures and manipulating pictures in a manner that allows us to have valid talking points that are exciting. So very often, you know, we have these different digital stimuli and it's like stock footage, you know, 
Yes. It's like, a, it's a dog. It's a, it's a kid. It's like, it's, it's boring. Yeah. So what I've noticed with technology is we can customize different aspects in very meaningful ways. So I explored different apps where we could take a picture of the child and with the tap of a finger, you know, you could turn that child's face into something very zany, very wacky, for example, like an alien, or you can put a big um, plate of spaghetti on their face or on their head. And then using that as very valid um, directions to kind of travel with regard to therapy. So we're ninjas as speech therapists. We're very sneaky. So they think it's fun and games, but it is all connected to their goals and their objectives. And speaking to people who stutter, sometimes they don't want to talk because of their perceived inability to communicate. But what I've noticed is these funny pictures gets them talking. And that's the first step. We want them to get talking. And then from there, we could you know, help them to grow as communicators in so many different ways. I love it, and you're you're speaking my language right now, Eric. Because there's nothing that aggravates me more than yes. seeing stock photos that are super boring, and then you know helping helping a child build a sentence that they're not even motivated to say. And so I think that a lot of times it's it's all well-intentioned clinicians, right? We just don't have enough resources. We don't know about these awesome technology tools, but it's so important to start with that motivation because you know we need to be intrinsically motivated to to say something to somebody else. We don't we don't talk about things that are boring or mundane. We talk about things that are interesting and silly and weird and funny. So I love that you're doing that and I love that you're presenting. I have to ask you, what are your you know, top three favorite tools or apps that you use in your therapy? Sure. So photofunnia.com is a free website that people can check out. And in short, you're able to take a picture of yourself and you can infuse that picture in a lot of different um, silly, wacky things. So for example, they have like a a picture of a person snowboarding and the person's head is cut out. So that means your head goes into that person's body. So for you to kind of get into a conversation of like, hey, do you like snowboarding? Um, sometimes people say, I've never been snowboarding. So you could take a picture of their face and now they're on a body that's snowboarding. And then that starts a really robust conversation. And sometimes there's uh, more sillier ones like a witch, you know, in front of a cauldron or um, a person like slam dunking a basketball. So photofunnia.com is a great website that I love very much. And it's very um, multidimensional in that it works for clients across the board, articulation, um, uh, stuttering, language, so on and so forth. Another great website I love is voicechanger.io. Ooh, I haven't heard of this one. It's a free website, and what you can do is you can tap a button, and it triggers the cam or the audio recording aspect on your uh, laptop or on your phone, and you talk into it, and then it saves it, and then you press different buttons, and it automatically changes the way it sounds. So there's like a, a mouse button that you'd press, and it makes the voice sound like a mouse. There's a robot button. There's like a, a wacky um, chipmunk uh, one where you sound like almost like a chipmunk. So, you know, getting students to play with their voices certainly can be a good first step with some of our clients because sometimes they don't view their voice as something that's fun. And if something's not fun, you're not going to play with it. But if we could kind of add some fun to that aspect, we really start to kind of desensitize them. And they recognize that, hey, my voice works. My voice has uh, value. So I think through exploring that website, we're able to kind of plant those seeds. And I do know that those seeds do grow into very meaningful trees. Well, and I have to... Wonder the psychological aspects of you know it's not you're you're manipulating your voice so of course it is what you said but I think that it probably helps students who maybe maybe aren't confident um, and don't have that speaking confidence to you know it's a non-threatening way to 
showcase what they're saying because um, it's not attached to their voice. It's a silly voice, or you know, and it's so it, I feel like it takes the pressure off in a lot of ways. You're spot on, Rachel. I think what it is, it's like a buffer, if you will. It's like not necessarily them. There's a, a, a bit of a, um, a mask, if you will. And that's a lot easier for some students to kind of latch onto because our voice is so personal. And, and sometimes, you know, we need that buffer to kind of get to our voice. And you know what's interesting? When I do these things with students, I never have them do it first. I think it's important for us to recognize that we never throw our, our students into the pool, you know, figuratively speaking. We have to go into the pool first and we have to show them that it's safe and that we can swim. So in us doing it first, we're giving them the, the nod that perhaps they can consider doing it too. So we're the role models and then they can take it after they kind of see us doing it. We, we talk the talk and we walk the walk. I love it. I think that's a really important reminder. Um, you know, we take for granted the fact that communication is easy for us and we do it all the time and, you know, we have a robust language and all these things, but really showing, you know, before expecting a child to feel comfortable doing it. Um, amazing. We're going to have to have you come on the podcast, Eric, and talk in more detail because you just have some gems. I would love to. It would be my pleasure to be on your program. You are an absolute wizard, and I can't wait to just keep on consuming your great stuff. I love it. Thank you so much, Eric, for stopping by. You're welcome, Rachel. Awesome. I'm here live at ASHA with Kate Lamb. She's at the handle Less Waste SLP. Kate, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me here. I am so excited. So you guys, I found her on Instagram. One of my Instagram followers tagged her uh, because she presented yesterday and I was so excited. I totally deep dived into your Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, I love this lady. She's doing amazing things. So can you just explain what your presentation was all about yesterday? Yes, so I presented on my zero waste speech therapy room and I talked about, I first showed my teeny tiny trash can. So it fits in a spice jar. Obsessed. First of all, I also love baby containers. So not only do I not like waste, but I also love miniature things. So it was like, it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. We'll definitely have to uh, take a picture and we'll post it to our Facebook group. So um, that school year's worth of trash, I talked about how I could fit in in that teeny tiny trash can because I first refuse what I don't need reduce what I do, reuse what I have, and then recycle and compost the rest. And by going through all of those steps, I end up with a lot less trash. Exactly. I mean, I can't believe that you fit an entire year's worth of trash into a tiny spice jar container. That's so impressive. I get that, um, that reaction a lot from people, like disbelief, like it can't, you know, that couldn't possibly be everything. Um, but it truly is. And um, really the focus is on that refusing piece. Um, and really taking into account, like, is that, is that item that you're going to bring into your speech therapy room, is that really going to help your students? Um, do you have an alternative? We also talked about, like, laminating. So a lot of speech language pathologists and teachers laminate, and they feel like that gives them that legit, like, feel of an item. Like, oh, now that I've shellacked it in plastic, it's going to be more useful for my student. Um, and really the truth is, is that we have other alternatives that we can rely on. So how I approach that kind of thing in my speech therapy room is I first refuse it by saying, okay, I'm going to try this item first and see if it's actually useful. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, what are my alternatives to laminate? Um, some of the things that I use are plastic 
um, just reusable binder binder covers. I have those too. And then also like my name tag that I got for Asha, like this is going to be used for some of my visuals with my students. It's already there. I, I wasn't able to refuse that when I was here because it's my access to the convention. Mm-hmm. I actually can't tell you how many times I've laminated something and I'm like, I'm totally going to use this so much. And then I never use it. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And it just dawned on me probably like a year ago, um, you know, because I, I definitely have adopted this this less waste. Right. Um, and I'm very cognizant of the things that I take, um, the things that I print. And I've definitely made a switch in my therapy to using, you know, those dry erase sleeves where I just slide a piece of paper in. Um, so I don't do a lot of laminating. But because I do a lot of work with AAC, um, we make low-tech, you know, supports and things like that. But I've been really, really, really cognizant about what I'm actually printing and laminating. And unless I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's going to be utilized, I don't do it. And so that has been a huge shift for me, for me because I feel like I have so many stacks of laminated pictures and, you know, core boards and all these things that I get so excited about. I'm like, I want this to last forever, so I'm going to laminate it. And then I'm like, oh, man, I have, I literally went through my office and was just like appalled at how many things that I had that I had never even touched after I laminated them. And so I ended up donating them to a lot of the clinicians that work for me. And they were really excited about all these things. And I'm like, great, like you use it. And so now I was telling you, um, I just got um, the Apple Pencil and I'm really trying to stay as digital as possible. So instead of even writing on a whiteboard, um, what I'll do is I'll just pull up a resource in Notability and I will use the Apple Pencil and I'll have the kids write on the iPad um, or, you know, if I'm just trying to, you know, support with visual supports, I will um, just write on like a blank piece of paper on Notability. And that has been really awesome. Not only can I not use waste, but then what I'll do is I'll screenshot it and I'll email it to parents. Like this is what we worked on today. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You're, and you're using a resource that you already have and you're using that to support your students' outcomes. Exactly. And I bet it makes it so much easier for you. Instead of managing the stuff that's behind it, you can really focus on the child that you're working with that's in front of you. Exactly. Um, And, you know, it's nice to just feel so light, right? I don't have to walk around with all these file folders and all this stuff. That's another thing is like, it's so cumbersome having all these things. Um, And and even with toys in our therapy room, I'm constantly like pruning the toys that come my way. And I'm like, ah, like, you know, I, I, I get a toy or someone, you know, recommends something. And now I'm just more intentional about like, do I actually want this? Do I actually see value in this? Am I going to use this three times and not use it again? Um, so I think it, you're exactly right. It starts with refusal. It starts with saying, like, no, I actually don't need that. Yeah, and that saves so much waste from happening. Exactly. Well, you guys, Kate Lamb, she's amazing. I'm so excited that you were able to stop by today. Definitely follow her, Less Waste SLP. So you're on Instagram. I know that because I deep-dived on your Instagram this morning. Um, where else can people find you? People can also find me on TowardsZeroWaste.com. That's my personal blog, and I talk about how I reduce waste at home. Ah, amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I can't wait to share this little little clip with all the people who love me because they're going to be like, of course, she found somebody who doesn't like waste just as much as she does. Um, (laughs) But I am really excited, Kate, that you were able to stop by today. Great. Thank you. Me too. 
I'm here live at ASHA with Sarah Gregory. Sarah's already been on this podcast, and it was one of our most downloaded episodes. It's so exciting. I'm so happy to be back with you. I know. And she also just presented this morning at ASHA. So just let's talk a little bit about your presentation and all the things that you, you shared with all of these amazing SLPs here. Yeah. So my presentation, it was similar to the stuff I talked about on the podcast. So it was AAC in the general education classroom. I talked about peer modeling, which I shared on the podcast. And then for ASHA, I also added in some culturally responsive teaching practices um, that we can use with our kids who use AAC and hopefully stuff that people can go back to school and apply on Monday. Um, so yeah. What are some gems? I like did not get to see your talk this morning. I was too busy, like passed out of my bed. Um, Cause she's, you guys, she spoke at 7.30 AM on a Saturday, which is impressive. I was so thankful for the diehard people that got here at 7.30 and were there to fill up the room. It was awesome. I know, I love it. So what are some like gems of wisdom that you shared during your talk this morning? So one thing that I shared, I got to see Erin Sheldon yesterday present about the research she's been doing, talking to AAC users and um, just sharing that information back with us as the SLPs who are supporting students who use AAC and really letting what adults who use AAC, what they say about their experiences inform our practices. So I realized I didn't have a slide for all the people that I follow, so I tweeted it out. Um, so my handle is sgregorySLP on Twitter. So I shared like a bunch of like parents and users and um, different resources I have. So that's out there. Love that. So yeah, definitely uh, we'll link to, to Sarah on the on the podcast notes as far as her Twitter. Um, I don't use Twitter. I like actually, it was really funny because some of my friends who are on Twitter were like, Rachel, you need to get your Twitter under control because somehow it's auto posting and it's only, you only have a certain amount of characters. And I was like, oh, and so it was like half my message would be oh, deleted. No. <laughs> They're like, get your Twitter under control. And then I couldn't figure out how it was like auto sending all my other social media posts. Oh my it gosh. Was a, it was a thing in my life. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a Twitter person. I'm just not. But you know what? Chris is. Chris is a big Twitter follower. Yes. I follow Chris on Twitter and I also do follow a lot of AAC users and it's an awesome way to get that, you know, just sort of silently observe and get that perspective without sort of putting the burden on other people to educate us or, you know, be asking tons of questions, which, you know, a lot of people that I've connected with are happy to answer questions. And also Aaron Sheldon did all the work for us and interviewed like three dozen people. So I love it. Yeah. I love Aaron Sheldon. I actually sent her a Facebook message this morning, hoping that she would stop by because I've never met her in real life. So we'll see. I know she's a busy lady, um, but I love her and I love the work that she's doing. And I think it's so important that we, we really take the accounts of adult AAC users and help it inform our practice. The same way I, I was, I forget who I was talking to um, during the conference and we were talking about Temple Grandin. And I feel like that's one of the biggest benefits of all of her work is that it can help us learn how to work with children with autism because um, she talks all about her experiences. And so I think listening to adult AAC users is one of the best ways to learn, you know, as clinicians, how we can better serve our populations. I totally agree. Love, love, love. What is your? What else has been going on in Asha? What have you been up to since you've been here? Oh my gosh! Some great talks. I I've hope. been to so many great talks. I've met a lot of my AAC celebrities. That I um, got to meet Carol Zangari and talk to her. She was at Aaron Sheldon's um, presentation, and something really cool that Carol said after we listened to Aaron present was that she was like, "I feel like we're kind of reaching a new generation of AAC clinicians where we're gonna look back and be like, can you believe we used to do." 
do this without asking anybody what they thought about what we did with our like clinical practice and she's like it's going to become a thing of the past and we're really like moving in a good direction so that was kind of cool to and I think that it's it's kind of um, reflective of how easy it is to share information now, especially on social media. So it's like we can really get a pulse on adult AAC users. Um, you might have convinced me to go back to Twitter. I'm like, do I need to go on Twitter again? It's good. It's really helpful. I love it. Yeah, I know. I'm like second guessing all of my, my tweeting decisions. Um, I'd have to like get a tutorial probably from Chris, but <laughs> I'll check it out. I mean, I'm really interested in in connecting with adult AAC users. So um, that would be a, a huge bonus. Yeah. Love it, love it. Sarah, thank you so much for stopping by. Honestly, you're fantastic, and I'm so happy we got to meet, meet in real life. Me too. It's, it's been awesome. It's been amazing. And again, your your episode is popping off. Yours was so popular. I was in Nepal when it when it like launched. I came back to all these Facebook shares and messages, and it was just amazing. So thank you so much for oh, sharing your work. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. I'm here live at ASHA with Kathy Hoffman. Kathy is the state superintendent of Arizona, and I'm so excited to talk with her today. Kathy, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing at ASHA? I'm loving it. I just came from a great presentation about the SLP's role in working with students with disability or with um, dyslexia. Ah, I love it. I love it. It's day three of ASHA, and I feel like we're all excited, but we're all kind of tired. <laughs> just a little. Have you been here since, uh, since Thursday? Yes, I have, and yeah, it's a bit of a time difference, and I presented yesterday morning at 7.30 a.m., so that was a little challenging to Ooh. get up that early. Yeah, honestly, someone else that we just interviewed, she had presented this morning at 7.30. I feel like Friday at, at 7.30 is a lot better than 7.30 on Saturday morning. They're both pretty rough. They both <laughs> are. I feel like because you, you have to get there early, you know, all the things. Make sure you have all your, your ducks in a row. What were you presenting on? I was on a panel that was, we were talking about how to make your voice heard and about being an advocate for public education. Ah, I love that. And I love the work you're doing. It's so exciting to hear that a speech language pathologist is now a state superintendent. How did that all come about? So Arizona is one of 14 states where it's an elected position. Mm -hmm. So I, I was a first-time candidate. I decided to run in February of 2017 after mm -hmm. watching the confirmation hearing for Betsy DeVos. Yes. And that's when I realized we need educators leading our schools. And in Arizona, it had been over 20 years since an educator led our Department of Education. Oh, my gosh. Which is insane. It's insane. Yes. And so as an SLP working with students from all backgrounds, I worked at the Title I school, you know, working with kids with disabilities as well as kids who are bilingual or multilingual and kids who live in the foster care system, I felt that I needed to advocate for all students and for my colleagues as all of us in education. I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting because I'm sure if somebody were to ask you 10 years ago, like, you'll be the state superintendent of Arizona, would you have said, like, no? I, no would, I wouldn't have even believed it three years ago. Yes. So it's just so interesting. Well, it takes people like you to actually set an intention and then actually follow through with that. Um, so congratulations to, to that new position. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what you can come up with in Arizona. I feel like more 
more more SLPs need to you know have have that dream and actually follow through with it because I think a lot of times we let fear stand in our way um, and it sounds like you, you you looked fear in the face and you were like I'm gonna do it anyway that's so true and a lot of people asked me well why do you think you have the leadership experience needed to run and lead the Department of Education which has about 600 people working there it, oh is, it can be very um, very much an administrative position too but I truly believe that SLPs are leaders we have a lot of those traits like being uh, being community leaders working with students working with parents as well as being creative, thinking about short-term and long-term goals, and, and just thinking outside the box. Um, and of course, our social communication skills also really help at, when you're campaigning and trying to earn votes. Yes. So I think that we naturally have all those needed traits, and we just need to realize that we're capable and not let anyone try to talk us out of it. I love that. Is there one thing on your agenda for your time in, in office? Are you in office? I am in office. Ooh, it's a four-year. So <laughs> I love that. What's one thing that you um, hope to do in your time? Well, we've already achieved a lot in just the first year. I'm very proud. But um, one of our big priorities going into the next legislative session is to repeal the English-only law in Arizona, which has had enormously detrimental effects for holding back our students identified as English-learning students and multilingual students in Arizona. So that's been one of my hugest priorities is to get that law repealed so that we can improve the graduation rates and economic success of our bilingual students. Uh, I love that. Oh my gosh, can you come to California? Can you well, come to California? Yes, well, California Kathy? repealed it first, so we're, we're actually one step behind California right now, but um, but yes, anytime. Amazing. <laughs> well, Kathy, thank you so much. You're, you're truly an inspiration. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. I really am excited to, to showcase your work, and I'm excited for our listeners to hear all about the amazing things you're doing in Arizona. Thank you so much. Thank you for stopping by. Nice to meet you. I'm here with a legend. I'm here with Lucas Stuber. Legend or myth? <laughs> it's Who true. knows? It's true. Who knows? Do, do I really exist? I do. I do. I, in fact, I am here at ASHA. This is um, so cool to see you recording here. I am so excited. First of all, people need to know you are the reason this podcast started. I, I guess that's sort of true. It's true. And people ask me, how did the podcast start? How did you get into podcasting? And I say, well... This man Lucas came up to me one day and was like, "Hey, do you want to join the AC podcast?" Yeah, and I said, "Sure." Yeah, and look how look how. Well, this I remember seeing um, you know some videos that you'd made back at that point, and just thinking, "Okay, this is this is the perfect like blend personality wise, especially then when we had Chris also." Mm -hmm. um, to, I just I think you have a very practical sort of style to the way that you talk about AAC and intervention, right? And you give very like meaningful tips, whereas I tend to theorize, right? I like to go to these crazy places. You and... like to use words that I don't understand. <laughs> I just I get caught up in um, because it is I mean AAC it's such a cool sub niche of a field, right? In that everything sort of converges, right? All the questions about language, all the questions about cognition and behavior and and, and, and all of this. And then you also get to play with technology all the time, right? So, um, uh, but you know, if it's just Lucas being a nerd for a half an hour every week, I'm not sure that that would get as many listeners. So, and you know, we have a critical need to educate in this field. So it's also, you know, part, part of it is the mandate to you know, that this sort of thing is necessary. But I'm just so glad to see that you guys, um, obviously I stepped away when I joined uh, industry and um, I, it just felt a little odd to be sort of 
building things that I potentially could be selling for the podcast and you know this other stuff. So it was a hard choice, but um, I do sometimes. I sometimes come back. I do some listener questions. You are always welcome back. You know this. All right, good. You know this. We would love to have you on, especially for those listener questions. It's nice to have your perspective, and um, it's an open it's an open door policy. Cool, good. I would love to. That sounds good. Yeah, in the meantime, I'm just uh, out there building the AC stuff all day. I was going to say, what have you been up to? We have so many listeners who are like our diehards. They started right from the very beginning, and they're like, where's Lucas? How's Lucas? So how how is Lucas? (laughs) Lucas is good. Lucas is really good. I mean, it's... um, it's uh, it's been a bit of a, a change to really heavily enter industry. I mean, I, I had already worked as an AAC developer before we started the podcast um, mm-hmm. for you know a number of years, but was also you know I worked in the schools, I worked in private practice, and um, and I will say that I I miss that part of the work. I wish I had more time um, to be out in the field, but uh, as far as actually being able to. Um, you know, build these tools every day. I mean, it's been it's been really a remarkable journey. So I started off um, running sort of the the development of the pediatric part of Toby Dynavox. So um, Snapcore first, Compass uh, that people think of, and now um, a couple different jobs later, <laughs> um, I'm what they're calling the, the director of customer journey. So um, in charge of really identifying all these uh, pain points along the way, and. Um, Pain points is such a corporate, but you know what I mean. The place where people get stuck. Right. Like we talk about the two-word hump and these different things. Well, I'm here at ASHA, and I've been doing interviews with um, just entry-level SLPs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and what I'm hearing more than anything is that they're getting stuck in the funding process, in the report writing process. You know, um, there's a real question to me as whether we as an industry are really even addressing the core competencies. Like, like is is core language intervention? what's keeping those SLPs up at night, you know? Like, what's what's really the, the hump that maybe is making a student be underserved uh, at, a, at a very high level? And so I'm just thinking those thoughts, I guess. Not that we don't need to talk about everything else, too, but also, um, like, that very beginning process, so. Well, and I think, too, like, thinking through the, the troubleshooting, right, is, like, we know there's a lot of different places in AAC, both, you know, evaluation and intervention, where people get hung up. Right. And it's, like, at our job as clinicians who have some influence, right, to start figuring out how can we remediate that? How can we solve these problems? Um, Because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want more individuals to have access to robust language and there's there's lots of reasons that's not happening. Right. Um, so what can we do on our end to help troubleshoot that and figure out solutions? Right, right. And, and, and as you I mean, you sort of, I guess, allude to it with the term that sometimes it is just about the technology, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that this, like, the, the podcast format has been really helpful for people. And it's, it's funny because you say that people ask about me. I have people ask about you guys in the podcast all the time. And, in fact... Internally, without naming any names, there's a lot of people that are my coworkers that still listen, and um, they'll come up to me and say something like, "Oh, you know, are, you know, do you do you miss being in there?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." Um, and then I one time, this wasn't even on that long ago, um, I, I walked in and caught my wife listening to uh, the podcast, which is great because she doesn't even work in the field, but she just was, you know, thinking of times. Time has gone by, so. Anyway. Oh my God, Estelle! Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, she's probably out here now. Oh, he outed me. Um, so, what do you? What's been remarkable for you about Asha this year? Well, actually, it's it's interesting because I feel like I've really been connecting with different kinds of clinicians. I think that's been the takeaway for me is that I I, I feel like now, especially because of the podcast, I've been collaborating and connecting with a lot of AAC-specific clinicians. Um, What I love about ASHA is that 
I actually get to meet other types of clinicians, right. people who are not doing AAC work. Because I think that anytime we can step outside of our specific niche and, and pull from other industries and other kinds of therapy and other even outside of speech language pathology, that's where you can kind of get inspiration. Yep. Um, yep. And so that's been a takeaway for me is I've talked to some really cool people that work with adults, who work with voice, who um, you know are doing lots of different really cool things in our field. And there's a lot of overlap, right? Yep. We're all right. treating communication and swallowing disorders. So it's like, how can we find those gems from somebody else's experience and then you know right. utilize them for our specific yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, um, you know, I think also about other disciplines, like even um, ESL and linguistics. I mean, there's all kinds of other fields to, to tap into. So, uh, good, good point. I mean, I had a, a very, I had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful supervisor for my initial uh practicum rotation in grad school, which was just in an elementary school. Mm -hmm. And it was not an AAC caseload at all, right? I mean, these were yeah. Arctic kids mostly. And um, one thing that she said to me that has held with me for many years, and that I still apply in the AAC work, is that if you're not talking about what they're going to talk about on the playground in the speech room, then it's not going to generalize, right? That and, yeah, right. And um, I just, I love that statement because it's totally true. And it, um, it's, it's helped me to ground sometimes if I'm sitting there, like, thinking about vocabulary or whatever, I'm like, that has been a good guide to me. I'll just think, like, you know, would Johnny want to talk about that? And then I'm like, if it's a no, then, you know, it's probably not motivating or whatever. Exactly. Well, it's good to see you. Yes. Uh, I'm so happy you were able to pop in. I, I said, open door policy. You're always welcome to come on and record with us um, anytime you want. So just let Chris Sounds and good. I know. All right. You've been listening to Talking with Zach. <laughs> I love it. He did our outro. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lucas. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.